Good evening, guys. Today I'm joined by COD veteran, Dallas Empire head coach, and general manager, Rambo Rai. How are you, bro? Good, man. Good. It's good to be here. I've heard a lot of people been on this podcast, and you seem like a chill dude, so let's get this going. One up. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Seriously. Um, yeah, I try to be chill. I just, you know, talk my mind, and I like to speak about it. Oh, I like to speak about COD, you know, so... And plus, I love speaking about COD. Yeah. I've been doing COD for 11 <laughs> years now, so... <laughs> you know, I mean, like, not to mention, like, I mean, I'm 26 this year, so like most people I spoke, like most people I'm speaking to so far, like I've watched for years, you know. So I don't know. It's just good for me, like especially like the likes of yourself and Clayster, for example. Like you guys are people that I watched like what eight years ago, nine years ago in my mom's living room. So you know, yeah, most people are in diapers. Yeah. Like right now, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Like all the youth, like I mean, crap. I have like two 18 year olds on my team, and these kids were like eight, nine years old when I was competing when I first started yeah, competing, yeah. which is, I mean, it's wild to think about. I can imagine, I can imagine. So I've got a bit of an icebreaker for you. Um, it's the same question I ask absolutely everybody. And all I want to know is what are your top five potato chip flavors? Uh, the most underrated one that most people don't know about is ketchup. I don't know if you guys have those in the UK. Yes. But I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Canada. Ketchup potato chips are amazing. We've got quite a I few mean, out here. We've got quite a few. I am I'm, I'm not crazy. Like I will never go like... Like anything vinegary, I'm not. I'm not into that. Like I'll, I'll like a good Dorito, nacho, spicy. I'll go like a nice, like salty, or it was a salt and pepper, like kettle chip. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the what's it called the the Cheetos, the 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 tiny ones, the small Cheetos, the crunchy Cheetos. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that because they're chip, but that's amazing. Even though I can't really eat those that much because I'm lactose, but uh, I think that's that's four. Let's see one more. I don't know what's something that's underrated. You you don't have to give five. I, I guess I guess Pringles. I, I ate a lot of Pringles growing up, even though apparently they're absolutely terrible for you. Pringles are pretty yeah, good. No, I agree. Interestingly enough, that might be you might have just given me like the best non-Europe list yet. No, for <laughs> yeah, real. So, yeah, I honestly don't know the brands he has. I'm assuming he has a Lay's and like some generic. Uh, well, stuff like Lay, so Lay's over here are just called Walkers, right? It's this complete same brand, okay. the same pair of brand, everything, but they're just called Walkers in the UK. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're exactly the same. But like a lot of the people that I've had on that are like NA based always say the same thing. It's like, yeah, jalapeno kettle chips. Like that's all they ever say. Really? Yeah. Every time. Like Clay said it, Brian Saint said it. Um I'm trying to think who else. I don't think I've ever had a jalapeno chip, so maybe I'm missing out. Yeah, maybe. I think I am too, because I've never had one either, sadly. I don't think we do them <laughs> over here, but yeah. When you said to, like tomato flavoured, like ketchup, we've got yeah. um snaps. There's like a snaps, it's like a like a small brand, like a small bag brand, you can get them like pretty cheap and like local convenience stores, but like they are fucking incredible. Yeah. Ketchup yeah. chips, for whatever reason, just I mean, people a lot of people yeah. dip their fries in ketchup, so why not put it on a, on a potato yeah. chip? You know? Yeah, I agree. So I just want to get into a little of like Raymond. You know, your early years. What kind of got you into gaming? Yeah, so I mean, I started playing video games when I was a, a toddler. My grandma's actually the person that got me into video games, unlike most people. <laughs> We're talking like I was four or five years old. She had the NES, which is like the Nintendo Entertainment System, like the old one where you had to like blow in the cartridge to like shove it in the thing to make yeah, sure it yeah. worked every time. And uh, I mean, I played mostly like sports games and, and like Mario and like, I mean, the sports games back then were not where they are today. Uh, yeah, she got me into it. And then as I grew older, my parents like kept getting me these new consoles when it came out. It was like my way of having fun at home. And I was active in sports. I was doing okay in school. So it's just, they let me play video games. So I think I was what I think I was 15 years old, skipping to 15 years old when I first got a PlayStation 2 that had the online adapter in the back of it. Yeah. This is back then when like online gaming is like basically brand new, at least for console. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I 
just decide like, you know what? I mean, I, I see my internet cord that's going to my modem. Let me plug it into my console and see what goes. <laughs> and yeah, I got exposed to this whole new world. I, I got this, uh, I went to rent this game called Black Hawk Down, yeah. which is uh, derived off the movie. Um, but it was actually, I mean, segmenting to Call of Duty, but it's actually basically Call of Duty before Call of Duty. I mean, they look, like all the mechanics, jump shotting, like drop shotting, all the stuff you can think about in the Call of Duty game was in that game. And it's almost crazy because I was like preparing <laughs> for my Call of Duty career even before I knew it. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I started playing online. I, I got into lobbies and I started joining these lobbies where people were kicking me out. I was like, why are they kicking me out? They're like, no, Mike. So I went to GameStop and bought a microphone and holy shit, the whole world, game battles. <laughs> That's where I found out about that. I met a bunch of people, like gaming people that I still know to this day. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild how it kind of grew to that. And then, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of story goes on game battles and technology and so on and so forth. Simpler times back in a uh, public. Oh, lobbies. man. Yeah, those old public lobbies. They're, they're the most toxic thing in the world, but they were the funniest thing in the world, right? There was, there was better. <laughs> so what, yeah. which title kind of introduced you into COD as a franchise? So, yeah, my, one of my buddies, I was in high school at the time and they got they had the Call of Duty 4 the Modern Warfare had a beta. Uh, and I heard about it and I got, I can't remember how I got a code. I think it was my buddies gave me one, but he's like, Hey, you should come play this with me. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. Cause I mean, I played like what before that I played, I played Halo and like rainbow six a little bit. I think the first rainbow six Vegas, when that came out and yeah, my buddies like got me into call of duty. I was like, okay, let's try this. And I played it. And I got hooked immediately. Cause I mean, again, like it was exactly the game that I played and I enjoyed playing for like three or four years, which was black Hawk down. So like, this is awesome. Um, and then once the game actually came out, I heard about all the competitive stuff and game battles was actually on this game too. So I got yeah. on the competing and then, yeah, as the craziest part about this all is that a month into the game release, I ran into big timer and big timer played black Hawk down and battlefield two on PS2. And we knew each other cause we used to play against each other. We never played with each other, Yeah. but I was like, wait a second, you're that guy. I played against him <laughs> in the past. And we started talking we're like, yeah, and that's kind of how we hit it off. And wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. What was it? That you, what was it that was so enjoyable about uh, COD? Like, what was it that just uh, kind of hooked you with COD for? I think it's really the pace, like the pace and the simplicity of the game, made it to where like it was more about. Like, I love the mental aspect out of anything in life. Like, I, I, I have done competitive sports. Like bowling is probably the main one. I love golfing. Yeah. Uh, and I just like all these things have attributes that just make it to where like in your head you have to make good decisions more so than like there is skill involved you still have to be skillful but that part of it wasn't really kind of like the part that stuck out at least at a high level yeah um so whenever i started playing competitive call of duty is like it like immediately it came like instinctively to me how to how to be better than other people without shooting my gun like i was obviously i was all right skill wise at the time not like i am anymore but like it, it was really just about like playing chess while i'm playing video game to me was really the cool aspect and yeah uh, most people played search and destroy back then too which was kind of like a cool mode and i've watched counter-strike in my past so it was kind of like something i related to really quickly as well so yeah and it was just the arcadish feel of the game like it was like serious but not too serious yeah and just kind of like the the access accessibility of the game and just being able to play all these competitive matches quickly on a game where you could play with your buddies was just kind of like the game for me at the time that obviously transpired into something bigger. Yeah, I've got you. I mean, obviously the name Rambo, I'm assuming this came from the movie, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. funny story. My face, my first ever tag that I put when I signed on to my PS2 online was Rambo unit, one word. So Ramboon it. And I, <laughs> I, I don't physically remember why I chose Rambo, but I was listening. I just, my, I can't remember. I think my buddies just lent me his like Eminem 
slash D12. Uh, like a, it was like an album they released, and it was like G Unit. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I watched a Rambo movie, and I was like G Unit. Like all my boys like G G G Unit. I was like, all right, <laughs> Rambo Unit is my word. But I didn't know you could put like dashes and spaces, so it just ended up being like Ramboon it, and people kept calling me that. I was like, why yeah. that dude's Rambo Unit? Yeah. <laughs> I but thought yeah. it was gonna be like some. Uh some like intricate qualities with scenes or like things that resonated with you from the movie but no it's pretty simple nope. i guess no, yeah yeah it is it's always simpler than it seems with, with gamer tags i think yeah yeah i mean talking of cob when did you kind of start to realize your own potential within cod you know that you could maybe make this into something more than a competitive hobby uh it, it's it's interesting because it all kind of fell onto my lap i never really i mean this is one thing i'll say about I'll answer your question more specifically after I kind of segment, but like people see video games and like how to become a professional. Everyone asks the question, how do I become a professional gamer? It's just like, it's really just like sports. Like you're a kid, you play baseball and you're like, Oh, baseball is great. I'm all right at it. Maybe I'll get good someday. I aspire to be professional, but it's never like something I think I'm going to do unless I get close to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Video games is the same thing. Like I was just playing and I saw this, like we're competing in these GB matches for free online. There's nothing really at stake. Like we're just having fun. We're playing for these imaginary XP points online just so we're at the top ladder. It's all for pride, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it just so happened that they happened to have online tournaments for money. I was like, okay, well, let's try this. Who knows? Like, maybe I get some of it. And then you yeah. start making a little coin. You're like, okay, well. And then they announce these more bigger tournaments and then so on and so forth. It kind of snowballs into something. And then because I was, on, I was on some pretty successful game battles teams and we were winning a lot of our matches, it was like, maybe I do. Maybe I am kind of one of the better players in this game. And it, yeah kind of it never again it's never something i really like oh yeah i want to be a pro gamer like not at all like i don't think anyone really feels that way yeah yeah unless they're just born into it and it's what like they do for their entire life but i, I suppose yeah. it's a change in the times as well right because i mean you know back then i suppose the whole you know professional gamer career was never such an easy path to chase or you know never such a in the spotlight path to chase as it is now you know so i suppose it wasn't as, so much of a viable option in your mind um, well, the money, the money was not anything what it is now. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, funny, all right, here's a story as well. I'll, I'll shoot you all the stories I got. 2009 National Championship, my first ever tournament competing. Yeah. Uh, top prize was 8K for the team. If you win the tournament, I lived in Montreal at the time, and flying is wow. not cheap. And it was a, they literally announced the tournament five weeks, or it's like four or five weeks before it happened. So it was an my expensive flight, flight. Yeah. My flight to Anaheim was $930 <laughs> Canadian literally i won wow. that tournament but i'm canadian so it was like gaming was considered gambling at the time which is yeah. still kind of is so i paid 30 percent of the border i paid nine percent california tax so i show up home i won the tournament my first ever tournament mind you i get a check in the mail for 1230 dollars and i just spent 930 bucks on my flight alone thank god <laughs> ego ego was a, a 360 icon sponsor paid for a hotel yeah so after my taxi rides and my personal food and my expenses i basically broke even winning my first ever wow which is insane when you think about how yeah, it big is. it is now that is a good story taking your kind of history into consideration right i mean you know you used to bowl for canada's youth team would mm -hmm. you say you always had a passion to kind of excel at whatever you put your mind to 100 percent. i i am one of the most competitive human beings you'll ever come across i don't care if we're playing ping pong bocce ball we're we're jumping off on a sidewalk on our sidewalk like i just i thrive in being good at things that i enjoy and i want to yeah. be good at like like don't get me wrong like if there's something i don't really like and someone's like oh come beat me at this i'm like eh, you know yeah yeah no, i'm not that interested but like there's so many like small like i 
like I get this a decent amount, which is not trying to be egoistical, but like people say I'm like good at everything, which is not true. I'm, there's plenty of things that I suck at, trust yeah. me. But like, there's so many weird things that I'm just really good at. Like, yeah. like my, it's, it's crazy to be honest. No, I can imagine. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and hit you with your first bit of Rambo trivia, okay? So just let you know, right. I've, I've sprinkled little bits of trivia throughout, along with kind of okay. test, testing your knowledge of the team toward the end as well. But we'll, we'll wait till we get there. Well, the, to my team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, that um, <laughs> So just to let you know, so far, not a single guest has been able to get all of their trivia correct, okay? I, so, don't, I don't think I'll be the first one. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2013, yourself, Stainville, Jacob, and Proof put on an impressive display to finish second at COD Champs on Black Ops 2, right? Mm, that one. You had, to, you had to talk about that one, huh? <laughs> Do you remember the name of the team that you beat 3-0 in your first game in the winner's bracket? In the winner's bracket. Holy shit. I, <laughs> dude. No, there's no... I wait one second. Yeah, I try to remember this. I mean, just Who let did you, we play? Just let you know, I know. I'll give you brownie points if you can remember any of the players' names on the roster. <laughs> I mean, we played Fear in the, in the winner's semis. We played Fariko in winner's finals. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's so cool. there had to be there had to be two matches before that. God. I honestly, dude, there's, I don't think I'm... There's no way I'm going to... My brain, that's literally one event that's like, that I remember the least about because I forced myself not to remember it. Like, yeah. I, I have never cried losing anything in my life. That is the only time where I shed tears losing. Yeah. That one hurt like bad. Wow. Like, we were literally like, I mean, dude, oh man, I, this is killing me. <laughs> you talking about. You made me cry on the stream. I think I, it, no, honest, honestly, yeah, there's, I don't think there's any way I'm getting this right. Like, honestly. Yeah. That's a clear insight into just how passionate you are about winning too, because it's, it even pains you now years on to speak. Oh, right? no. Yeah. I mean, I it's can, just how we lost was just a yeah. killer. Dude. I can give you a clue. I can give you a pretty okay. clear, easy okay. clue. Okay. 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 Th this is the clue. I don't need to say anything. That's the <laughs> clue is you stand away. Is there something on your shirt that I didn't see? No, no. No, you're just standing up, big yeah. guy. Okay. Tall. You're looking no. at too, way too much. I, yeah, I, do, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> okay. I, the team's name was Stand. The Stand. Damn. Oh, who's on that team? Who are the players? Uh, Alan, Paralyzed, Nuvo, Nuvu, and Relay. I honestly don't yeah. remember any of those guys. There's zero Good. chance Good. that glad. I would have got that. See, I like to make the trivia difficult. Good. You need to have Jacob on this podcast, <laughs> and you need to ask him that same question. Yeah, I want it. We'll make it happen. So... When did COD kind of begin to spread its wings in terms of esports? I mean, what was the first event that you were kind of, you know, wowed at when you saw it? Did you ever have a belief that it would be the foundation of what competitive COD has become today? You know, we had a few really good events. I mean, like Black Ops 2 was definitely like the booming kind of game from a, like a competitive playing standpoint. The game was just so much fun to play and so enjoyable to watch. There's like a lot of new things that kind of had like score streaks started there, hard points started there. Yeah. Uh, the the it was kind of like a, a peak, not a peak, but like a, a height and growth in players yeah. and amount of like talent there was. So like you saw a lot of good teams that were able to compete at the highest level. Um, and the game the game kind of changed the pace of the game changed for better to be a little faster. Yeah. Not saying that I think it's a little too fast the way it is now, but back then it was kind of like before that it was very slow, very methodical. That was probably the first game from a viewership standpoint. I was just like, yeah, this is sick. Like this is fun. I, yeah. It was like the right amount of like I can follow this. But also, it's not boring. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, as yeah. far as like pace and play, uh, but yeah, go for it. 
when would you say kind of the biggest jump was title wise? I mean, when would you say you went from kind of a mild amount of viewership to holy shit, like the COD scene seemed to blow open? I mean, I was for sure Black Ops 2, I think. Black Ops 2 is definitely the game that I remember just viewership being extremely like higher compared because we came off with Black Ops 1 was all right. Like we had some growth there because we that was the first year we were with MLG and we had like six LAN events. So that was kind of cool. Uh, then it went to Monterey 3 where there was like absolutely nothing to play for. We had to travel yeah. to UK to play three tournaments, which which interestingly enough, like the first tournament, the EGL5 event, we went to UK had like 97 teams. Wow. And that's insane. Like that was, a, I, I'm pretty sure that was like the biggest Call of Duty LAN event to, to that moment. Yeah. I mean, ran, uh, passing like the MLG stuff, like the Black Ops yeah. 1 tournaments, at least outside like at the time, friend, which was pretty big, but I don't remember viewership being anything incredible. I'm pretty sure a friend of mine would have been in that event. I don't probably know. i mean yeah definitely I, that was the fun yeah. event for us i, I don't know if you remember his name uh, excellency oh hell yeah nick yeah. word baby yeah. i love that guy <laughs> nick word's my homie i love yeah, me yeah. some nick word yeah. get out to the band that's a good friend oh, good i friend love that guy yeah. he's got dude he's literally what's what's the movie um the vampire movie he looks like a Edward from that movie. The, oh, uh, Twilight. Twilight. Like, 100% Edward. Literally. Literally. Like, that's like the first thing. Every time I see him, I'm like, dude, you're that guy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love that guy. Though. He's so, a guy. Over the years, right? The, one thing for me that's very clear over the years, the prize money's increased. The social media presence has massively increased. But do you feel the level of competition in earlier titles was more driven by a competitive nature as opposed to securing the bag? I mean, with the consideration, obviously, that there was a lot less to play for then versus now, and a lot of players now do a lot of talking about the money that's up for grabs, but not a lot of people talk about the prestige of owning a ring anymore. Yeah, that's that's a tough question, right? Like, it's it's interesting to talk about because, like, like if for example, like Black Ops Two, like at the time we were being like the winning team at champs was paid 100k each, which for us at the time is like fucking we're rich, let's yeah, go, baby, yeah. we're getting steak tonight. All right, <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, the perspective of how things have changed a little bit. Hold on, one second. go ahead, Baba. Don't get out, he's stuck. No problem. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I feel like there's a separation in some part of the community at that point. I feel like some players still very much care about winning. The money is like a supplement to everything. And I'm like, nobody's really going to kind of turn their heads on the money, right? Like the money's great. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of the guys are still like winning. Just like that's kind of how they're driven. I feel like a lot of older guys. And I feel like some of the new guys too are very much kind of like the money's just, it, it, it doesn't really matter to them. Like I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll point out a player like on my team, like Shotzi, for example, like, Sure, the money's great and all, but like this kid just loves to compete and play. Like, yeah, he shows up, he's on time every day, shows up to scrim. Like, he lives for this shit. Like, he would, he would play tens every single day from like fucking nine to five if he had to, yeah, to get better at what he's doing. Like, he's he enjoys his craft. And to those guys, like, if the money's great and it helps them obviously survive and, and grow to a better amount, but like, you can, I can just tell like some of those guys are just not worried about it. Like, it's just something that they're accumulating and mm -hmm. and it's great, but like they don't necessarily care but yeah, i mean yeah. to the contrary there are still i feel like some of the older players are probably like more looking out to really get something out of this and trying to maintain themselves to be in the community for as long as they can yeah, yeah. I, I can't really point out that it's just a feeling i get from some of the players yeah none of the players on my team i can tell you crim six and clayster still love winning a shit and yeah, they get yeah. hell in that movie, so. yeah i know clay clay said the exact words when he was on here how much he uh he still gets super down when he loses and uh you know yeah it can take him a so, whole week to kind of get over it and and what scares me is like I feel like some of the newcomers may be in that capacity. Like, 
like I hear so many stories about professional athletes to go into like they go play in college and shit and they're like, Oh, let me get a big contract and like yeah, they push really hard and then they get there and it's like, Oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um I feel like it's gonna be hard to do that for video games because there's so many people that are trying to get to that point. So that mm-hmm. if you're not on your like if you're not on the horse when it's when it's running and you fall off, you're not getting back on. Yeah. Like it's it's mm-hmm. a very like especially the way it is now, it's not like when I first started competing when you had like a few chances if you show up to the big, the big time, the big leagues, and you don't perform quickly, man, you're going to be out in heartbeat. Yeah, and it's yeah. really hard to get back in. Mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, being one of the most veteran players, which, which you are, you know, what have been the biggest changes that you've noticed in both, you know, in player behavior, both kind of in and out of the game compared to when you competed? Like you, but what do you mean by player behavior? Like, be a little more specific. Um, like, I mean, obviously, that I think social media has had a huge kind of effect on personality traits and the way people are within the community um and i just think back then was it a lot more less talk more game whereas now it's a lot more talky shit and kind of try and back it up i feel like it's the opposite really? i thought i thought people talk way more crap back in the day than they do now ever i mean everyone's scared to hurt each other's feelings now yeah. it feels like and, it, and it's it's almost like again because people are so scared to like piss each other off and if like i need a team at some point or i want to play with these guys and i can't i can't be on their down list right like back in the day it wasn't like that like i'm gonna play who i want to play with yeah um so i don't know i feel like it's i feel like the talking the crap talking has definitely gotten a lot less than it was yeah although you still see it like i mean i love shit talking like i i think it's stupid for anyone to take any kind of crap talk personal at a level of like when you're competing yeah like i'm like unless you're really getting personal like you're calling someone by their appearance or like oh your nose is messed up oh yeah your mom's a hoe like that kind of crap like yeah sure okay take that personal but like oh you got shit on take it yeah you suck like that's to me that's just like that's cool like that's exciting like that that drives my competitive aspect and it should drive yours too because you don't want me talking like that to you yeah no Um, i agree but I, I feel like the, I mean, the social aspect of it was still pretty big back in the day. Like, like, I mean, I got like what, 240,000 Twitter followers and I have been out of the scene. My Twitter follower count has not moved in like seven years. Yeah. Um, so it's not like this just started yesterday. Sure. It got, it's gotten bigger. If anything is changing behavior is people are taking things more seriously and are being more professional about things. Yeah. yeah. Like back then people just had no filters would just literally say the first <laughs> thing that came out of their mouth and yeah. like, like would type out a tweet. He's like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Enter. And it's like, now they probably type it out like 10 times. Like, yeah, yeah. You think I'm going to piss anyone off in this? Yeah. Maybe not. This just backstab. Right, yeah. I do that all the time. I do that myself. I'll type a tweet and I'll be like, and, oh, like, and then I'll, I'll be like in Discord and I'll be like, yeah, do you think I should post this? He's like, no, nah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I won't nah. post that. Like, like the biggest shit that you see now is people posting memes and gifts about shit. Yeah, and yeah, 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 it. yeah. And it just lets you insinuate in your brain what they're trying to really say, you know? Yeah, it's really funny you say that because like, I'll try, obviously like a segment of this podcast is where I'll go through kind of team trivia, especially for coaches. And like I search like tweets from, from guys on the roster and try and find some really funny old stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's literally impossible. Like I have to go into the very, very crevices of their history to find it because everything has just been completely washed away. Um, right. We, you know, which is expected, I suppose. Right. I, I mean, speaking on kind of player behaviors, when you were competing, it felt like you as a, as a player yourself, you never lost composure from a viewer perspective. Whereas some players would let their emotions or nerves get the better of them. And I think maybe this is because they're so immersed in the moment, worried to make a misplay, whiff a shot and so on. But you always gave off the impression that you were kind of fully present, which perhaps helped you excel in quick thinking and becoming ultimately one of the finest strategic minds that we've seen in COD. Was this the case or were you very good at kind of displaying a car meta shell? Uh, I mean, 
I feel like emotion, like there's a certain level of emotion you need to have when you compete in anything. Yeah. If you go too high, it brings you down. If you go too low, it brings you down. Like you have to find that kind of medium threshold. And there's times, there's like specific moments in time when you're competing where you can go a little higher and it'll help your kind of adrenaline levels kind of get to a point. Yeah. It's, this sounds crazy, but like pro gamers are junkies. Yeah. Like if you play video games for a living, you enjoy the rush that you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Like the everyone sees like, oh, these guys are under so much pressure playing for so much money. Like, and the, the both times that I played the champs, like I probably performed the best besides the first map of Ghost Finals. I probably yeah, performed yeah. the best <laughs> that I've ever performed in a finals, like in the final, like the Black Ops 2 tournament was probably the best I played in the entire Black Ops 2 game in the final because it's a moment in time where you reach that level of confidence and that strength in, in like your inner emotional state that really kind of reach and peaks your game to a new level. And you're so yeah. focused and so into the moment that like everything around you and things that may bother you otherwise probably don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like yeah, I've always I was always kind of like cool, like calm, cool, collected. I guess. Yeah. I have my moments when I shit talk. There's plenty of videos that show me kind of crap talking. Um, most I mostly did it after the games because I feel like that's the best moment to crap talk because yeah, they can't yeah. do shit about it. Yeah. Um, if you talk in the middle of the game and they come back <laughs> on you, you look real dumb. Yeah. And there's a few instances of that that, that yeah, are online. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was like, I had I had such a big role for the teams I was on on the communication front and really kind of like you said the intellectual part of the game and strategy that I couldn't afford to kind of lose track of everything going on. Yeah. And like lose my emotional state and just kind of be out outspoken and. And kind of, I don't know, get things rattled up. Like I, I had to, my my roles on a team and my where I really gained, where my team gained from my performance and my play was really my ability to coordinate what was going on to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're doing what, we, what should be done to achieve what we're trying. Yeah. Um, so I don't know awesome. if that answers your question specifically. No, it does. But... It does. That's awesome. Uh, moving on to part two of Rambo Trivia. Okay. So let's see if you can fare a little better here. So in 2014... If the first one was easy, this one's not good. This is not good. You started level one, I'm done. So in 2014, yourself, Merck, Study, and Nameless placed second at COD Champs. Mm. Do you remember... That's your two questions. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Don't worry. <laughs> so uh, now, do you remember the maps you played in the loser's bracket final versus Optic? Now, don't forget you did beat them. But do you yeah, remember the maps so you played? We, I know we played Warhog Blitz twice because we tied it. Uh, we played Sovereign Dom was the last map. Because I remember a teabag and clayster. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh my god! Like, yeah. like, like he was he was pretty mad. So, so the match start. I think he said something earlier in the match. He said, "I'm smart in your Rambo" or something like that. Or he said something. He basically crapped on me before the game started. So again, this is the times where you don't want to piss people off, friends. All right, if you're ever competing, don't talk smack before the fact. Okay, because yeah. if you lose, things don't go well and you get yeah. mad um but yeah there's like a bit actually it's kind of crazy the camera angle showed us like fist bumping and like shaking hands yeah and he looked at me he's like i'm not shaking your hand I'm oh, like, I Come on. Yeah. Yeah. he's like yeah i did like so yeah um all right Sovereign dom warhawk blitz we played oh yeah we got shit on on the freight freight dom was the first map i remember getting shanked by scumpy like fucking 10 times um and while we're missing the search right what was the search so what did you say the first map was so freight freight dom was the yeah, first map yeah the second map had to be search which i don't remember warhawk blitz and then sovereign dom what was yeah. the search? so you've got everything right so far we're just missing the search yeah yeah one sec i gotta think about this well no tp wasn't that team who was on the team it was scump clay i can drop you a clue nate shot no, no, no wait give me a sec give me a sec I'm, I'm trying to see if this comes back to me don't check the chat do not no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> look away because I have the chat, but I'll look away. So freight, 
Lord of Lord of Destiny maps. Freight Sovereign, Warhawk, Octane. Yeah, it's probably Octane. It's probably Octane. Octane Search. Yeah, it is. It's Octane. Because Nature, I yeah, love yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well, you got it. You got it. You're one for two on trivia. I'm impressed. Okay. So when and why did the decision to coach happen? I mean, you were clearly an extremely talented player, right? With an impressive history. You've got this impeccable strategic mind. Did you personally feel it was kind of time to step back from competing? Or were there other factors in your life that were impeding your ability to focus on card as a whole? So, I mean, just to kind of, I'll give you a little line line because I haven't competed for six years. Yeah. So I was working at Sledgehammer Games, um, which basically... The timeline went from Black Ops or Ghost Champs, we get second two weeks after they dropped me off the team for Parasite, which I was completely against. Yeah. I did like, I, I had proven that I didn't mind getting dropped by a player that was better than me. Yeah. Uh, for example, like Scump, Scump joined the team for two weeks earlier in the year, which I was like, I'll yeah. coach for with Scump on the team. Like, this yeah. is, give me a percentage of the winnings and I'm totally fine with it. Like, yeah, yeah. This is great. The team's better with Scump. Yeah. But then, but then he left and then the, some of the players didn't want to play with me again. So me and Merck started playing and picked up. It was a study, so on and so forth. We get second at champs like two months after we started playing together. They want me off the team or they leave for another team because we got second and I played terrible in the finals. So it's like, okay, well, shit. Like, it kind of made me realize, like, I can't, like, the only players that I really want to, that I felt I was going to be able to compete at a high level with, I wasn't able to play with. Like, Big Timer had quit. Scumpy was on Optic, which I probably wouldn't get back on. And then Merc just was on the team I was on. Those are kind of like the players that, like, I can run my, like, system, quote unquote, with those guys. So, yeah. It felt like I wasn't able to compete. So, like, I didn't really look for another team after. I was just like, all right, like, let's see what goes. And then uh, Jay Perrier, a person who works at Treyarch and Activision, one of the leading people in making COD esports happen, um, big props to him and shout out to my guy, Jay Perrier. But he hit me up and he's like, hey, there's this new studio that's going to make Call of Duty and uh, they want you to work for them. So, oh, well, let's check yeah. it out. I went to Sledgehammer for four months. It was on a trial basis. Like, basically, I mean, I'm. I'm a pro gamer, right? I have no idea yeah, what's in yeah, game yeah. development and they have no idea if I can bring anything. Yeah. And then again, I don't have no idea if I'm going to like it. So it was like a trial period, four months pass. Things are great. I like it. They hire me, so on and so forth. Five years pass and then they announced franchising for Call of Duty. Um, and then Hastro and a few other teams kind of started talking to me about uh, the potential of like, hey, would you be interested in coming to work for us? Um, things are getting serious. Uh, like there's actual contracts. There's real money now. There's a lot of investors, so on and so forth. So I've always liked, again, I'm a super competitive person. I always liked it. Um, I very much liked the job I had at Sledgehammer. Uh, the issue, the main issue for that out there wasn't a job, was really the place of life, like the Bay Area. For anyone who knows San Francisco, that area is just extremely expensive to live in. Yeah. And me and the fiance had kind of goals to buy a house and have a kid, and we felt like it was basically never going to happen there. I mean, like like you're basically poor if you make like low six figures out there. Like that's wow. that's how crazy it is. Yeah, yeah. I was paying I was paying like twenty one hundred dollars a month for a studio. Um, which is yeah. That's I mean it's tough. insane. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so again, the offer happens, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is cool, this makes sense. So at, at the original time we were talking about just the GM thing, but then I was like, you know what, like, like if I want to get back into it, I really want to kind of get the hang of the players and really kind of get back in the process of knowing and and seeing the game for what it is and really kind of getting my connections on the player front kind of back in. So I mean when I played, I was a coach technically. Like yeah. I was a player yeah. coach. Like I was. I, have you seen the movie Semi Pro with Will Ferrell? Like the basketball movie? I haven't. I haven't. No. Okay, you got to watch that because okay. I, I was I, I was like Jackie Moo when I play. I was like the the marketing guy, the manager, the player, the coach, and the cheerleader <laughs> all at once. Uh, but yeah, so it's like it, it it never like 
cod come kind of instinctively to me i see things and they they like they make sense yeah so i never really felt like it was going to be that hard to get back in i was a little worried at the start but it, mm -hmm. i got it really quickly and then yeah that coaching just seemed like an easy thing for me to do and really kind of get back into it so it was kind of a no-brainer when i heard about yeah the offer to gave me and like where to move like moving to dallas i like this area and, and yeah mm -hmm. it's it's been really cool so far and really an easy transition and then I'm actually excited for a new Call of Duty game to drop because I kind of started late this year, so I missed a lot of the, kind of a few things. But yeah. I'm excited to kind of see the process of the the whole year starting from the start and mm -hmm. and see how I can make the team better from the get go. Yeah, I mean, based off going back those, those you know six years compared to now, and obviously stepping back into a role where you're overseeing COD, does it feel there's been some clear changes in just the basic outlook, kind of play style of the game, for example? So the speed is probably the thing that changed the most, and the the positional kind of play is not as obvious as it once was. Okay. Granted, it's, it's like somewhat obvious to the pro players because they know when certain things happen. But like from an audience mm -hmm. standpoint, it's kind of hard to catch. Yeah. Like 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 the the best way I can describe it is like back then when you played respawn, it was almost like playing like search. Like if I get yeah. kills at a certain, if I get a two or three piece, I'm gonna get an objective done no matter what because there's a respawn timer. The yeah. maps are a lot bigger. There's a lot more space to be kind of. So it was more like. A battle of a tr like a, a battle of kind of getting position on the map and, and really pushing while you get kills yeah uh in, in a smart way really making sure that you're you are influencing those spawns perfectly mm -hmm. so that when you do get kills because the kills don't come like what like a good kill game back then in respawn was like 20 kills oh, like yeah. you get 20 kills yeah, in a yeah, time yeah. like oh you're fine bro <laughs> you're killing them pools yeah and now you get 50 you're like meh you know he got 50 we've seen that <laughs> Um, and the games are even shorter now than they were then. So, yeah, yeah. so that's probably like the biggest thing I can tell you that's changed. Like for the most part, the five on five has also kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. But like, like now it's like a battle of attrition. It's like where can I put myself to spawn in a position where I can attack the hill more than they're attacking it because we're just going to be closer. Yeah. Like for hardpoint, and then yeah. for like Dom, it's kind of Dom hasn't really changed that much. And then search is just really the extra players change things a little bit. But search has always been search. I don't think search has changed at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like the game from game to game changes search because of like smokes and of course, perks yeah. and weaponry and, whatnot yeah, yeah. and how fast the time to kill is. So mm -hmm. in the map. So yeah, that's, yeah. But yeah, no, it's really not that different. It's just like the pace is really kind of like the main thing that if like if I were to compete again, I would have an extremely hard time doing it because my forte was really kind of understanding and, and be able to kind of manage my thoughts and know exactly where someone is after I kill a player because he came from this location. Yeah. So that kind of takes out this position. So I got to look here so on and so <laughs> forth. Like that barely happens. That just happened here, here and there anymore, but like it barely happens. Like, like when you spawn back then I had like four or five decisions to make. I spawn now. It's like, Oh, all right, I'm going here because this is the place. <laughs> yeah. That's where I got to go. I got to go here. That's where my teams are going. Let's go. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're just holding the forearm, yeah. Like that's about it. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, that's why it's very different. That's why everyone's analogs Freud because that's all you do now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy how they like the the whole like ATS the automatic tax spring thing to me was like, bro, that probably saved so many controllers. Oh yeah, 100%. And they that yeah. I broke like I say broke. I haven't broken them, but like three controllers this year already have just stopped working. The analogs are completely Freud. So yeah, right. I mean. It's pretty common, right, for super talented players to miss out on competing in the biggest events due to, you know, things like age restriction and so on. But for yourself, you came across an unusual barrier in the form of nationality. So Canadians amongst other certain regions were not allowed to compete in events like Cod XP. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I think it was the GameStop 10K as well, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, did this affect it's your... Mm -hmm. <laughs> did this it's like bringing all the negative stuff. <laughs> he was bringing all the bad memories. He was folding right back. Like, here, 
Let's put them on the history. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Your Black Ops 2 champs. Yeah, that one. That was great. <laughs> well, I promise yeah. we'll, we'll end it well, don't worry. Um, I mean, did this did this affect your drive at all? Because I'm guessing there may have been a sense of uncertainty that, you know, this might have always been an issue. Yeah, so it's interesting because because things weren't formalized for gaming and like the gambling kind of crossover when I first started, it was never an issue. I mean, technically, if like, let's say I started competing, I don't know, five years, let's say everything was like five years later and all those laws started before, I probably wouldn't be here today because it would have been basically impossible for me to really uh, kind of test out the waters and see if I had a future in it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time I started competing, I, we were playing online events for like pro circuit ladders that led into one tournament at the end of the year, the national championship. And, and I was able to play because there wasn't any laws that prohibited me from playing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was like, it was not a shock. It was very annoying to deal with. Yeah. It never, I mean, it never really affected my will to play. I kind of, there was ways around it. Like I lived in Montreal, which is like two hours East of Ottawa and the province, the provincial border of, because I was in Quebec, which is a province, like a state or whatever, like a, a location in Canada where it was like the boundaries of the law were in that province. Yeah. So basically, whenever the Modern Warfare 3 COD XP happened that I wasn't able to compete in because of where I lived, it was obvious that if there, if I heard there was another event for that, I would just move. Like, I mean, it wasn't a big, yeah. I was like 20 at the time. Like, it wasn't a big move. It was just like driving two hours west. My parents gets me an apartment. That's what, ha- that's what ended up happening. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. This is when the whole kind of me getting drop off optic because of where I lived, uh, whole scheme. I'm going to call it a scheme because it's not true. Yeah. Hex said it in the the, uh, the pod, his podcast. Yeah. He said, was it the fucking, what's the name of his podcast? I keep, oh, not Overcast, uh, Eavesdrop. Eavesdrop. Eavesdrop podcast? Yeah. So he said it. He said, Red Bull is why you got dropped. Like, straight up. So <laughs> everyone out there that's wondering that shit out. Yeah, I was. I knew it. I was like, fuck those guys, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so basically the Black Ops 2 came out. I was on the team for two weeks. And then this Frat Cup tournament came out, started. And then I was, they were like, oh, well, all those restrictions came in. And I wasn't able to play. So the team, I was like, okay, well, let's just pick up someone for this event, like temporarily, and I'll move, and then I'll be able to play for the rest of the year. But then Nate Shot came along, and then that's when the whole thing happened. And then he, like, there was some certain process of the Red Bull, his Red Bull sponsorship kind of being transferred on a team like it was for, I think it was Enable in Halo for status quo that it happened. And a few other players got kind of the rep as well. Wow. Which is something that, I mean, for the time, it was really exciting, right? Because, like, you got a big sponsorship that's mm-hmm. coming in that's spending money. Like, of yeah, course I, yeah. if I was in your shoes, I would have done the same goddamn thing. I'm excited. Like, that's cool. And then the whole optic house and everything like that would have never happened with me. Like hundred yeah. percent. Like Nate Shaw had the YouTube audience to really kind of make it grow and all that stuff like that, that blew Dan call of duty and optic out of the water. Like hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a good decision, but my mind it sucked ass. Right. So, so whenever that happened, I'm like, okay, well I got to find another team and I got to, I got this temporary team for one event. We played UMG Chicago. It was Roughnecks. It was me, Clayster, Parasite, and Jake. Intake. Um, we played an event. We got like top six, and then I joined Envy. And then as soon as they announced COD Champs for that year, uh, I was like, yeah, I got to fucking move. And then I did that and yeah, ended up being yeah. okay to play. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Hastro, uh, as we did a little earlier, he made an announcement just a few hours ago, right? That he'll be stepping down from the CEO position at MV to a role known as Chief Gaming Officer, meaning he'll be more team and player focused, along with being more kind of fan facing with more spare time and ultimately getting to spend more time with family. Was this a surprise to you, or was it something you guys were kind of aware of? And that, but what does it mean knowing that Hastro will now more than likely be more present present in his support of Dallas? It's Hastro has done a lot to grow his business, and he's done a lot on the business front, and he's one of the more 
like invaluable person to a business in the esports world. Like he's he's a very smart, intelligent human being. He's been around forever. He knows this shit. Yeah. Um, for for like like he's paid his dues, right? Like he's like it's it's almost like like you, let's say anyone who take his like you take a player like Hasho was a player. Like for yeah, those yeah, who don't know that Hasho yeah. played way early. Yeah. I actually beat him to win that tournament in LA or Anaheim, the first ever tournament I competed. Yeah, yeah. Because he filled in shoes of a player who couldn't attend. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's the business aspect of it is great and all, but it's not as enjoyable and it's so time consuming. I can imagine. And for like being a CEO of a company is no like no short task. Like you're on yeah. constant phone calls, you're dealing with multiple people, you have to overview so many things, and like you don't really get the gaming, like it's like I don't know exactly, and this is me speculating, but like I'm assuming he didn't really get the gaming aspect of it anymore, right? Like yeah. and that's like kind of what he explained in his video that's kind of his roots like he loves the games and he likes to interact with the players like that's who he is as a person and like it makes total sense what he did like it like yeah, i mean yeah. works like us on our team all of us are excited i'm excited i'll probably get to play some video games with the guy i'll probably get to hang yeah. more with the guy and he'll be more and more hands-on with the team um and it's like it's gonna be great for i think for every, every team that's in the envy org uh to kind of have that aspect of it and and he has a lot of knowledge and whatnot so it's like Mm-hmm. he's always he's not it's not like he's gone like he's just yeah, moving yeah. into a role that to me is yeah makes more sense for him that's exactly how i took the video it's not that he's going anywhere i just think that he's now going to be more readily available to the people within his organization that are parts of you know teams and more forward facing which is great so i think i think he's gonna have a very positive effect on the likes of dallas too do you know what i mean i think he's a, like you said he's a he's an older figure in the scene with a lot of knowledge so what, what's yep. not to love um have you watched the movie inception Yes, sir. Okay, well, this is Ramboception. Are you ready? So, oh god, you've gone from playing with the likes of Scump to playing against Scump and Clayster on Ghosts to now coaching your previous rival in Clayster to beat one of your previous rivals in Scump. <laughs> what's it been like watching the likes of these huge personalities grow over the years? And what's it like coaching somebody who was previously a competitor to you? I mean, like you said, just with the uh, the comments made by Clayster pregame um, at. Uh, you know, years back all this time ago. Um, what's it like now being someone that kind of helps him with his gameplay? <laughs> so I've always had the, I mean, I guess respect is probably the word I'm looking for. Like I, I had very few players in the community that I disliked. Yeah. I was, I mean, I'm fucking Canadian for God's sake. Like we don't hate anyone. <laughs> we just love things, you know, yeah. just give us some maple syrup and we're good to go. Yeah. Uh, so it's really to a point where like, like there's very few players. I don't think there's any players that are in the pro league right now that I have issue that I would have an issues with coaching wise. Yeah. Or talking to whatnot. Like, like there's a lot of people that are that are easy to work with. Some are a little harder to work with. But like, I never like even though Clay and I had like some beef in game. Like we were always cool out of game. Like and there's never a point in time where me and him weren't cool together. Yeah. yeah. Um, same thing with like Krim. I never really spoke to Krim that much back then. We were like we were competitors and. He probably didn't respect me as a player for what got my skill like for his probably mine was probably pretty bad yeah. which sure at, at some at a certain point when we competed against each other i was getting asked <laughs> yeah um but it's really to a point where like I, i've built a reputation for myself and i i am i've also learned a lot from the years that i work at sledgehammer about how to handle communications with people because i wasn't i was a very hard person to work with when i played like i was very direct i was very blunt i would never really uh, beat around the bush, I guess you could say. Like, if I wanted something done on the map and I told you to do it, you fucking do it or I'm going to fucking yell at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of like, that was my, I was very dry, I guess. I wasn't really kind of, and I've learned a lot how to like talk to people and be more positive and not necessarily like just com- constantly point out negatives. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I feel like I'm a much easier person to work with now. So on the front of like, it's crazy to think about that I'm like 
coaching players that I played with and against back then. Cause it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I wish I was still playing to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, no, it's just cool to be back in it. And, and really like my dynamic with the players, I think is pretty good. I found kind of a good spot to be in where I'm not too influential to what's going on, but I'm putting my two cents and I'm, I'm really just driving discussion is really kind of the main point I'm having is like, instead of just telling like, Oh, you should be doing this is more like, Oh, well this happened. Do we feel like maybe something else should be happening on our end? And then I'll let the players kind of figure it out. And if anything happens, I mean, yeah, yeah. kind of arbitrate discussion, I guess you could say, but no, it's, it's a little weird, but it's, it's cool. I mean, I, I just like, I like that some of the guys are still playing and, and clearly like Clay and Krim have a lot, of, I feel like have at least two or three or four more years in them. Like they're still very great players mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be backing down at any point. Yeah. It's good to hear. Rumbo trivia part three. Right. Oh, yeah. okay. Do do you know your total earnings from card to the nearest dollar? Hell no. We, we had the discussion earlier and it's talking about how money was like, like totally <laughs> not your I mean, to the, there's no way to the dollar. I mean, I got second at champs, so I said that's probably like 50, and I probably made like, I don't know, like maybe like like documented earnings, probably like 25. So like I'm going to say like 126.5, 100, like 126K. You're pretty close. You're very close, actually. It's, yeah, 100, it's 129. Oh, there you go. Look at yeah. that. That's pretty good. $121,088, I mean, yeah. Of prize money, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Back then, I was like, I mean... I'd want to see that leaderboard when that when that started. Like when, oh, yeah. whenever yeah, I spoke yeah. to I play like top ten, and you're like, yeah. you're looking at it now. You're like, uh, who's that guy? <laughs> and honestly, that's probably what sucked the most about being like working in the shadows, because like I wasn't really able to be like the outspoken community person. Yeah, that I was in the past. Like I was one of the leaders in social media when I competed and whatnot, and I would yeah. love talking and like helping people out, speaking my knowledge, and really kind of being kind of a, a part of the leads and like really making sure like everything's on point for what we're doing mm-hmm. um, whether it was rules or like making sure that everyone's kind of being comporting themselves the right way like i would call people out left and right even if i didn't know them or they weren't on my team i'd be like dude just chill like you're not and people would respect me in that way back then because mm-hmm. i was like kind of like higher up i guess you'd say um but yeah no like that that's probably what sucked the most about working in the shadows i didn't get to do that for like five years so yeah. a lot of people have no idea who the fuck i am now and it's like rambo like yeah it's not Oh, he's 30 years old. Oh, I guess agent. Oh, he's 31 now. Oh, God. So it's just, it's kind of crazy, like being out of it and coming back. But it's, again, it's cool. I'm, I think I'm, I'm making my way slowly back into people's mind. And, and it was always fun to kind of hear a shout out whenever I, they were like, they would always say my name on certain things. Yeah. Um, during the streams and like the casters would call me out. So that was fun. Yeah. 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 Well, moving on. I mean, obviously, talking about, you know, your history, you had some time with Merck, right? And you and Merck have this long, long history together. A very successful one at that too. Hypothetically speaking, if Maven stepped away from casting as his duo, would you ever take up the spot if it was offered? It wouldn't make sense. It would, be, it would make more sense for me to replace Merck because Merck's the, Merck's the knowledge guy. Like he's, yeah. Merck has gotten really, like those guys are really good at what they do, man. It's incredible. And I, I have issues with speech. Like I'm, I'm French Canadian. My French is my first language. Yeah. So I have... I have like small speech impediments and sometimes I can't spit everything out. Okay. Uh, so like, I don't think, I mean, I would love, like I would be better as an analyst, like doing what Nameless yeah. is doing and like really kind of dictating, uh, like, like just kind of like speaking of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Cause I did, I did cast a few times back then. Like they would just ask me to come talk on the stream and I would just end up casting a map or two. And like, like I casted this famous moment. that was the UMG Chicago Black Ops 2 event where Nate shot pushed Aches. Or no, Aches pushed Nate shot. And uh, I was casting. I was like, oh, we pushed him. We pushed him. And Nate shot was like, let's go. 
was like, oh, dude, it was like literally the corniest moment you ever seen. It was like, like while the gears we were like literally fist fighting in a parking lot, we were just there pushing each other on street yeah. and falling assault. See, in the UK, oh my in God. the UK, it, it, you just get bottled. So, yeah, it, would, it oh. wouldn't go well. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, that's, that's the wildest thing, bro. The one thing that we were not ready for going to UK is the shit talking level and the screaming oh, and being in your face. Oh, bro. Like yeah. people would just get up over their, their monitors and be like, you suck, you little <laughs> chat. And your mom, your mom, she's a beautiful person. And you're like, <laughs> I'm just screaming shit on you in this video game. <laughs> and it was wild. Dude. We were not ready for yeah. that. Like, in the, bro, in the States for the most Yeah, that was crazy. February, man. like February, you know, just gone London, like. I don't. There was a clip of me going around the internet, cheating, tweeted, and it was me rubbing my nipples. Like I stood up in the middle of the oh crowd. I, I stood up behind Nameless's shoulder as he was there, like doing a bit of analyst, and like it was perfect because they left like a big gap next to his shoulder, like this. And I just stood up, and you can see me on the screen. I rub my nipples, and like everyone's just <laughs> fucking dying. But the, like they made the mistake twice because the thing is, they put the camera on him once, and like you know when you're looking up, I saw my head. I was like, oh shit, that's me. Yeah. So like I stood up and like the crowd was chanting uh, "fuck off, nameless." So I stood up, I was like "fuck off, nameless" in the camera. Oh, I was drunk. Dude. Yeah, I know. He's a good guy. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that dude. That's one thing I'll say, dude. That London event, like some of the crowd, like you guys get it. I love the atmosphere and the, the excitement. Yeah. But there's a certain level that's just too much. Oh, yeah. And like you guys, you guys cross the line whoa, many times. Dude. Yeah, bro. When. Oh, Shanti, little 18 year old kid, nicest kid you'll ever meet. On stage, you're nearly like, go back to Halo, go back to, like, this kid's here shit on the wall, bro. I was, dude, I felt so bad for him. I was like, come on, bro, man. If you, get, if you get, like, six, seven points in the average mile in the UK, that's it. Anything, oh, everything man. is game. That's it. Every, oh. Oh. I just lost. There we go. Um, yeah, it was. It was eleven pounds, I believe, for a two-point picture. Um, which is, which is, I'm sure, it's absurd. It's, like, it's, yeah, it's pretty absurd. I think it's like it probably work out to about fourteen dollars for two two points of beer. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the UK, like we we do have like this. It's it's the football heritage, right? Like that's where it comes from. That's where it's believed to come from. Is our chanting and our like kind of whole like vibes right. it's all it all kind of derives from football and years of loving football but it's not that bad in a football game is it like you guys don't like like call out the player like you do it's it's that bad bro, oh my god bro you should go to some soccer games in the uk for real yeah that, i mean the stuff <laughs> oh the god. stuff that was said at london is just a warm up that's just getting the vocal cords warm <laughs> just, <laughs> that's nothing um, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah for real honestly it's bad um but yeah i mean they, they put the camera on me that one time and they and they they saw me do that. Fuck off, nameless. I was drunk, bro. I was I was drunk by this point. Oh, and they, the oh, yeah, like you know. They and, put they, it again. and they put the camera back on me. So I was like, damn, you're gonna pay for it. So I just like <laughs> stood up and just started rubbing my nipples. <laughs> uh, and Chino like clipped it, and tweeted it. it. Was like this London crowd is wild. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I just there's definitely a thing about just UK and like. Us as a crowd, I don't, it's, it, it definitely derives from football. It's the only like it's the only thing I can imagine it, it derives from. Yeah, like another seed just mentioned in the chat. One of the big points was like shout, shouting pedo to Rich Campbell just because he's got a mustache, just because he's got a mustache. Yeah, so yeah, that's how it can be. <laughs> so moving on, obviously, um, coaching as a whole, um, 
how difficult was it for you to adjust coming back? I mean, I'm assuming you've got you've always had these basic instincts as a player that you've kind of had ingrained in you for a long time of playing cards. I mean, I'm assuming even when you were away for six years, you probably still played the game for an enjoyment sense, uh, whether competing or not. Um, was it difficult to fight back instincts that were natural to you as a player, but were ultimately negative maybe in a coaching role? Um, what was what would you say was your biggest learning curve as a coach? Honestly, it was just like figuring out the best way to reach out to the players in a way that they're going to kind of be able to take it in and, and be on board with what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, again, like, I think they were scared that I was going to be the way I when I was when I, when I played. They yeah. didn't really understand like that I was when I was behind the scenes. I learned a lot about communications and just kind of uh, treating people a little bit, a little, not more respect, but like better, like just really appreciating what they have to say and really taking it into account rather than just having my own opinion and just blabbing it yeah. out and yeah, that's yeah. all be all. Um, and that was kind of like it, like if anything, I was going to fear is I'd be like that. But like again, like it's it's not who I am anymore. So mm-hmm. so that was that was really cool for me to kind of feel like I felt like that was going to be my biggest hurdle, and I that wasn't even end up being a hurdle at all. So that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I was a little worried about kind of the understanding because I was like starting behind, right? So I had to catch up with the game. As much as I watched some of the competitive stuff before I joined, I wasn't really like paying attention, paying attention, right? Like yeah, yeah. Like if you pay me to do something, I'm going to really pay attention to it. Yeah. But if I'm just watching casually i'm like i see yeah, things but yeah, i'm not yeah, really yeah. caring like i want to see who wins but eh. um so yeah that was kind of like the, the the learning curve so i like i mean as soon as i started getting paid i started as soon as they hired me i started what like i think i was watching vod for like like six seven hours a day of just literally watching the game and just wow really grasping understanding and trying to put my own spin on like how things can improve and then i joined a team about two weeks before the la event and i started like like kind of giving my two cents, not really like, I felt like I wanted to start slow. Like it was two weeks before tournaments. I didn't want to just throw everything out the, out the board and what they knew what to do. But I had like my certain elements of like, like we're doing this on the map, but this team's been doing this. And it seems like there's a median where we can get better at doing this on so forth, like a specific spawn point we're trying to hold on a hill. Yeah. yeah. Um, trying to grow the meta with them basically was kind of the mentality. So I helped a little bit there. And then after the event, I started kind of being more thorough about it and spending time in scrims and really kind of, capturing VOD and like showing them and be like, this happened when this happened, we need to do this and that. And then agree and disagree. So like, yeah, it's my biggest fear was just like how I'm going to be as a person and how they're going to treat me as a person and how we're going to handle things. And it's been pretty good so far. We've had a few bumps, but for the most part, it's been really smooth. I'd say a lot smoother than I thought it would be. That's good to hear. At least you're having a good time with it. What do you feel are kind of the key ingredients to, to being a, success, a successful coach? I mean, I can imagine that it, it takes some real persistence, right, and patience at times, along with being able to adapt to different personalities. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a varying personality kind of spread on the Dallas roster. Um, do you think it takes a lot of patience and persistence to make the necessary changes? Uh, I mean, it's especially how fast this game is, it's actually hard, like, for players to really adapt to certain things you're teaching or you're really trying to preach. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, like, the, I think the most important thing of a coach is to have the players' respect. Like if you're if you're like if you're a nobody and you go in and like they they want you to coach like they're gonna make you do simple things but they're really like you're not really coaching you're there really like you're almost there like as an assistant I guess you can say mm-hmm. um, so I think like that's probably the hardest thing to gain and the only way to gain that is really proving yourself out to the players I guess which I've done like with my previous kind of accomplishments yeah, and accolades yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah no, I think the hardest date again the the hardest actually the hardest thing as a coach is watching them compete bro that's fucking stressful. <laughs> You have, dude, that is, oh my God, dude. I, 
I never like understood like how moms like it's like it's literally being a mom watching your kids play a sport. I think. Yeah. Like I think that's legit, legit how it feels because I, I have zero impact over what's going on. Like yeah. I'm I'm there. I'll talk in between maps. Like I'll give my spiel and like trying to make them remember like some things that we worked on to really make sure that they're on the same page. Try and keep driving discussion. Like get them amped up at the right level and yeah, yeah, yeah. and then be on my way. But then after that, from start to finish, I got no I got no impact on what's going on. Yeah. And I'm watching there. I'm like. Please get this kill. Please this kill. Why you know? Don't, like I could, no, don't you know? Okay, yeah, yeah, get that. Yeah. Oh, let's go, let's go, baby. But like, it's just crazy. Like, it's just a fucking roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, Nubsy was saying the exact same thing. Joey Nubsy was right. saying like it is way more stressful to coach than it ever was to play because you 100%. can sit and watch and you have no control. That's it. Whatever happens, yep. happens. And he was saying the same thing. He's like, no, don't do that. No, no, don't do that. No. <laughs> and he's like, it just starts to spiral. Uh, and, you know, that just that feeling of you thinking, you, you cannot do a thing about it. You just have to watch. Um, and and it, But the great thing about it is, is when, like, I mean, there's two good, there's good and bad. But, like, when they lose, it felt like you lost. Like, I feel involved with the team. Like, I feel a part of the team. So, yeah, like, when they yeah. win... I literally felt like I was there with them. Yeah. Like, because I fucking lived through all that stress. I better have my fucking live yeah, with them yeah. moment. So, like, when we won the LA event, like, that dude, that was ecstatic. Like, I've, I haven't been excited about winning anything in a long time. Yeah. Uh, at, at that event. And I was just kind of sharing that moment with the players and, like, just kind of feeling like a family and everything like that. And I was just there for two weeks. Like, that, it was, it was absolutely incredible. So, like, and that's probably one of the cool things. The coolest thing about coaching is, like, really kind of, you're there with the highs and the lows and you're, you feel involved and kind of part of the, the whole kind of growth of the team and, yeah, and how yeah. to compete. But yeah, yeah. watching sucks. It I can sucks. imagine. Was there ever any media or books that you used early on within coaching to develop your own skills? I mean, maybe like a sports coach or mental coach that you were inspired by? I, I really didn't. Like I, so here's, this is my secret to being good at things. Like we talked about, I was good at a lot of like small things and shit. Yeah. I, it's visual, bro. It's like, you're trying to like, you see something you try and understand why that thing works that way. And if it works good, then you do it. And if it works bad, you try and understand why it doesn't work bad. And then you try and implement the goods of the, the goods over to bad. So like for anything I've done in life, like bowling, golf, soccer, whatever, like everything I've done, video games, it's always been about watching and learning and understanding what's going on and then treating it to my own play and being able to kind of put it into fruition, like not just knowing about it, but being able to implement it yeah. and do it myself. So like when I first started competing, I was watching like there were streams and people playing and I would like play a lot myself. But then I would have, as soon as I got a recording tool, I would watch my own gameplay more so than anything else. Like, it sounds crazy. Yeah. Like I can like, but it's like, and I, you can tell this everyone, like, like go make, go record your gameplay, go watch it and like try and analyze it. Like it's not going to come, like not everyone's going to be able to do what I did to it. Like maybe that's just something I got instinctively that I was born with. Yeah. But like my ability to visually see something and re and react and understand and, and mold something I want to do off of it is is pretty good, and like and that's one thing. Like I'm, I'm a little like uh, like shout out to myself. But during the offseason, I'm gonna do coaching lessons, and I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna literally teach someone how to watch their own gameplay. That's all I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna tell you what to do and what. I'm gonna sit there and like question you on what you're doing, and you're gonna tell me why you did it. Yeah. And then I'm gonna help you understand why you're gonna do it and why you, what's the way of doing it better oh, because yeah. of what you. Saw. Yeah. And that's literally like that's the secret to being good at things in life. In my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. Like learn from your mistakes, not just say you're gonna learn from mistakes. Like if you fucking do it something ten times, it doesn't work. It's not gonna work the eleventh time. Yeah. And and I was good at really kind of not really needing to do something two two or three times. I would do it once, analyze it, understand it, and know what to do from there. And if it was good, great, do it again. If it wasn't, then change your way and then 
try and perspective there change your perspective on how to do it better next yeah 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 i agree i think it helps as well like encouraging players to take accountability for their own play styles right and the way they are playing because ultimately the more understanding they have of their own play and the way they need to play the easier your job becomes because there's less there's less of that kind of almost things to pick from because they're more clued up on what it is they need to fix the more kind of insight you give them into their own gameplay i suppose and the more the more open they are to what they're seeing in their own you know when they watch it back it makes your job a lot easier yeah and, and that's the thing as a coach that i've kind of segmented myself from this year is not really kind of like i've worked the only individual work i've done with players is their decision making i will never tell i don't i don't think i'm ever going to put myself in a position where i'm going to tell a player to do this this and that because he has this gun and you shoot disattachment and so on and so forth like those guys are pro players like yeah. like if someone would have told me to use certain things when i competed like fuck that bro who are you to tell me that like there's no way like I don't unless I play the game as much as they do. Like maybe the next game I'll play a lot early. I'll be like maybe notice certain things. Yeah. Maybe that'll be a little different. But like even then, I don't think I would. Like it's just a matter of like my role is to make sure the team is molded in the best way possible to where their understanding of what they need to do on the map at every single moment in time is known. Yeah. They see a situation, they know how to react to it. They make X play. Then it's all their individual skill and their communication lines on how they want to accomplish it. And that's okay. that's really where I have come in to trying to help the most. Yeah, where I yeah. felt like a good job so far, and that's to me that's like the most important thing because those are like those are the things they don't want to worry themselves about, right? Because they want they yeah. have their own play, they have their own decisions, and if they worry about that too much, which is what Clay and Krim were doing for most of the year, like I mean, crap, Shotzi's never really played respawn and kind of brand new and competitive COD. Illy's been playing search and destroy tournaments forever, not really getting respawn. Like they've yeah. literally had to teach those kids brand new things about a game at a fucking professional level, which is insane. Like the fact that those guys are actually good and, and know what the hell they're doing and then dropping like really good kills and, and yeah. having really good success is insane that fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Clay and Krim are like really to be attributed for most of that success. Yeah. And again, it's just like, it's a matter of like, I don't want those guys to worry about those things too much. I want them to discuss it, mm -hmm. but I don't want them to, I, want, I don't want them to bring it up. I want to be that person for them so they don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Shotzi obviously has seen an incredible turnaround versus the start of the year, right? What has it taken from a coaching position to get him to the point he's at now? So the biggest change happened, uh, I think it was a week before I joined, actually. Uh, they changed his role play. He was running trophy, and they took the trophy off the game of Dead Silence, which it's... The, some of the roles in this game are extremely hard to play, and yeah. the decisions you have to make around the things you are using affect how you can understand and better play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the routes you can take if you're a trophy player are not as great as the routes you can take if you're a sub, like a dead, dead sounds player, because you get sound hoard, you need to put your trophy in a position where your team needs it, so on and yeah. so forth. So so it's not so much the kind of like he learned a lot from playing trophy, but like I feel like his growth and understanding of the game has grew, grew incredibly a lot more when he was able to kind of freely run around and figure things out for himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's just hard to be a trophy player, man. Like respect to those guys who do it well and drop good KDs doing that because you're so restricted in certain things you can and can't do. For an AR player, it's not so bad because they end up kind of posting up for the most part. But for a sub player who has to go to the hill a lot, like that's tough because you're you're forced to run into bad situations nonstop. And uh, and that's kind of what he was doing at the start of the year. So like, not only was he kind of behind on decision-making, but he was forced to make decisions that probably aren't really coming naturally to him. Yeah. Um, so it's just really hard for him to kind of be at that skill level that he is now. Mm -hmm. um, he's an incredible talent. Like his... I mean, dude, him, like, there are three young guns, like, Hugh, Shotzi, and and Ilya are, like, amazing players and just have incredible, like, individual skill. It's madness. Yeah. 
and, and once like like they're still learning they're still growing as players like once they get to a point where like they reach like the veteran status and they like the moment they reach their peak of knowledge while still having the skill they have now is going to be scary as fuck yeah. for the opposition like I'm, I, it's yeah. going to be scary dude. yeah do you think there's uh do you think there's some rings to come well i hope so that'd be <laughs> yeah. nice i want a ring bro i don't have yeah. my ring yet give me yeah. a fucking ring all right <laughs> Right. I mean, what's what? What is the one thing that you do as a coach that you feel goes unintentionally underappreciated? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I really get thank yous. I mean, again, it's like I don't. I'm not looking for praise. Yeah. Uh, I, it's not something that drives me. What drives me is I like being able to point things out and then working, and then that makes me feel good about what I do. Yeah, yeah, like I like being right about something and like like stating in the way that went through to them, mm-hmm. and then them as players implementing and really kind of understanding the situation. That that what makes me happy as a coach. Like, yeah, and then them succeeding and actually doing it in actual matches is makes me even happier. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, like it's I don't know if the other coaches get a lot of praise. I, I would assume they don't like player like pro players. Typically in the past, at least for Call of Duty, don't necessarily give praise to a lot of things. Like mm-hmm. if a player makes a sick play on that, they'll give praise to that, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not it hasn't really been a, a praiseful job this year, you can say. But <laughs> oh no, I, I don't I don't feel like I'm underappreciated because of it. Like, mm-hmm. like I've they've like multiple times some of the players like talk to me personally and they say they like what I do and whatnot. So like it's nice to have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh awesome. It's not it's not all roses and, and peaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Rambo trivia. Okay. Oh God! So moving on to the next bit. <clears throat> what are you? What am I? You, did I, did I get two? No, you. Am I one for two? I mean, you were three thousand dollars off, so technically not. Oh, bro! <laughs> Damn. <laughs> right, so we're one for three. Um, now this one's actually completely unrelated to COD. So, seeing as you enjoy golf. <clears throat> Could you tell me who holds the all-time record for most consecutive seasons with a win? Most consecutive seasons with a win. Wow. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be an old player. It is. Yeah. Uh, Sam Snead? No. No. Um, take take a few guesses. I mean, no. What was that other guy? He's. I think he's from Dallas too. He's from the area. It's um. God, I you're gonna say the name. I'm gonna hate myself because I know, like, I, I love golf and I follow professional golf, like it's my religion. Um, uh, I mean, it's not Jack Nicklaus. It's not Arnold Palmer. It, it's Arnold. It's, it's really Palmer. Arnold. It's Arnold. It's Arnold. Palmer. Oh, I thought it was yeah. The, really, I thought it was the other guy. No, he holds he holds the all-time record for most consecutive seasons with a win at 17, and he won them 17. from 1955 till 1971. That's crazy. Yeah. Arnold Arnold's a good guy. Yeah. RIP. I, th- I think I'm going to give you that one, bro. That's two for four. That's good. That's all, right, good. all right. I appreciate it. All right. A little yeah. leniency. Yeah, not yeah. the $3,000 off when I've never really cared about my earnings. <laughs> so, um, thoughts around champs being online this year. How difficult is it to kind of coach on an online platform in which there are so many variables to take into account? It's not. I mean, it's from a coaching standpoint, it's not very different. Like, my involvement with the players and how we talk and whatnot, it's, I mean, there's really not much difference. Yeah. Uh, the players have to deal with the most the preparation on our end is like the same as we play online because we're playing on the same or at least similar ish playing field because of the 60 hertz and how oh my yeah. god <laughs> like i don't know what i missed the six years i was gone but this year from like a competitive like game standpoint has been kind of rough 
Um, and it's attributed to many things that kind of happen and I don't really want to go in depth with it, but it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's really not ideal. Um, but yeah, no, it's like we, it sucks because it's, it's no matter what happens online, you're going to feel like you're at an advantage or a disadvantage over another team. Yeah. And because of where we're located and how things have been going, like we feel like we're at a disadvantage because we're all lo- like four of us are located in central Texas. And then one of us is up North. Yeah. And most teams are either West coast or mostly kind of scattered around like central North and East coast. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not ideal because most of the surveys we end up playing are like Chicago and Columbus. So mm-hmm. we're pinging what, like 50 while the other teams pinging like between thirties and forties. It's not a huge difference, but it's kind of enough to really keep that in the back yeah. of your mind. Um, so it kind of, it's not ideal, but I, I mean, obviously like with the COVID and all this shit going on in the world, like, like just the fact that we still have champs, people should be happy about it. Yeah. I okay. lost my mind when I saw people like, Oh, they should be postponing. Oh, we shouldn't even play. They should separate the money the next year. It's like, dude, like what? Yeah. Like how does that even how, like, what do you, okay. Postpone it. When is COVID and shit going to end? Like what? Yeah. It's probably it's probably going all the way through next year. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think at least yeah, yeah. halfway through at the very minimum. Yeah. If you're going to play Modern Warfare Champs after the next game COD's yeah. release. Like yeah. everyone's going to watch that. Everyone's going to be super excited about that. <laughs> like, no, dude, that's ridiculous. I mean, like, these are more comments, but for me as a viewer, it's been painful to watch for the last, oh, I mean, yeah. You know, I don't think I could go another, I definitely couldn't go into next year watching this game. Um. <clears throat> Opinions on Jays right now. I mean, obviously, meta changes nine months into the game. I can only imagine from a coaching point of view that it takes pretty adaptive skills to be able to kind of iron out the cracks. Have the recent Jays had a serious effect on the way maps are played and the way players within the team now approach gunfights? It's annoying. I'll say this. It's frustrating because it's not regulated. Um, And, yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I can't even imagine if people are competing this weekend because they literally fucking don't even know what they're playing yet. So <laughs> I was, I literally tweeted this yesterday. I was like, I, 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 I don't want to go. I don't want to get into it. Let's, let's just yeah. skip that. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's, let's move on. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, from a from a standpoint, when things change, we we try and adapt as much as we can. But like, similar to what I was talking about earlier about my involvement and what I control. Yeah. That's not something I worry myself with too much because it's really I'm based on the players to really figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell them what, like I'll I'll see what the other team's using and point it out if we're doing certain things that don't seem to be working out and it's not, and the other team's doing something that seems to be working for them. I'll point it out and then they either implement it or just kind of ignore it. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the basis of it. Like there's not much to go into it. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, the whole discussion is just frustrating to me. And I, as a, as an older player and like quote unquote pioneer player of the community, it fucking kills me inside how this shit's kind of happening. Yeah. I can imagine. We'll move away from that subject. So champs is fast approaching, right? Obviously with recent announcements that competitive integrity is a huge focus. So hence the introductions of console, I believe. Is it console as well? I think it's console monitor and controller cameras along with improvements to the integral infrastructure of the game, i.e. servers and so on. Do you feel this is a fair way to compete for over $4 million? Uh, I mean, it's going to be like... The, I, the mentality is that some players thought some players were doing certain things and then they pointed it out and then the league acted on making it like more regulated. Yeah. I mean, like, who who is there to trust? If there's any kind of way you can cheat or do anything like that, if you're playing for that much money and no one's really watching you do it, what's stopping from an asshole or a person to do it right so yeah. it's like like i'm all for it like even if no like even though speculations are wrong like i don't i don't personally like think of anything but like like just knowing the fact that you know that you're on the same playing field there's nothing they yeah. could have done so on and yeah, so forth yeah. at least on the base that we know that something cheesy could be going on at least it's nice to kind of have the mentality yeah because it's yeah, yeah. Like, like as a competitor if i have any kind of thought that you like let's say me and you play a one-on-one 
and I think you're cheating, like there's no way I'm beating you. Even if you're not, like yeah. I'm gonna put myself at like a mental a disadvantage. Or, like, yeah. like that's a shitty place to be mentally. So like just the mentality, like the idea that they're trying to cover their grounds and make sure that things are regulated to me is a great thing. Yeah. Like even if there's no way players can cheat, it's just at least it tells you that they're caring about it. Yeah. And it, it'll make it more officialized to where like we know nothing's really going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I personally said that I see Dallas being a top three team this year, you know. But I mean, with a huge chance of winning champs, in my opinion. What do you feel the Dallas roster possesses trait wise that put them kind of a cut above some of the other rosters in comparison? When we're on, our communications are probably the best communications in the entire league. Um, when things are going our way and we're reacting to things the way we should be reacting to, like our comms are really clean. And that's probably the most important thing about this game because of the, all the variables and small things that can change. Like small talk is like probably the, like out of at least, again, I've missed a good amount through the last couple of years. But based on the pace of this game and the amount of like weird, like people call it weird spawns, but like let's let's call it weird game mechanics. Yeah. You have to adapt to a lot on the go. And the only way to adapt properly as a team is to communicate how you're trying to adapt. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like if you listen to some of the comms on some other teams are really hectic, like you can barely understand what some of the words are saying. Um, and the only way to really be consistent in a world where things aren't consistent is to be able to communicate the what you're trying to accomplish. So I feel like that's our biggest trait as a team. Obviously, our skill level and whatnot is on top, if not on par with everyone else in the league. Yeah. Uh, our veteran, our leadership, our emotional state. Like, we're we're just a really good, well-rounded team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, if I were to, like, just from, I, again, I don't know. I don't hear the communications nonstop of all the other teams. But, I, obviously, I listen. Whenever I watch, I listen to the listen-ins. And just based on what I've heard so far, it seems like our comms are what really separates us uh on on the kind of a team front then you know. yeah yeah well actually yeah dallas insight so we're going to move into kind of questions around some of the guys in the team uh i'm going to hit you with some quick fire ones and then i'm going to also do some team trivia with you okay so yeah. this, this is just some dallas insight for us as viewers so who has the worst diet who has the worst diet on the team yeah that's got uh I mean, it's it's definitely shots of your or Italy, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, I mean, I I feel like I mean, Illy when he's home, his parents cook him for a lot. But when Illy's on his own, like when Illy was in Dallas, I I'm pretty sure Illy had the worst diet on okay. the team. Who has the, who has the worst taste in music? Oh, I I don't exactly know what what Kyler what Huke. I know what Clay listens to. I'm into that stuff. I don't really know what port like I don't really know the kinds of music of all those like again I haven't like because of how the years went like I haven't really spent that much time like personally yeah. with those guys just yet so it's kind of hard to tell um but yeah no, it's, I wouldn't know I'm gonna say Porter just because I want to be annoying to him because he was annoying me on a different podcast <laughs> uh most likely to simp over their other half or a lady what's what do you mean by that so simp? uh kind of oh come on bro you, you've seen the term I do I'm Canadian bro I, the term terminology is very different so yeah. uh you know like a white knight like someone that just completely sucks up to a woman just because they have an attraction to her but i mean like super sucks up like um runs their defense in any corner of the world over anything at all that you know could be the simplest thing of someone disagreeing with them or you know yeah just it's like a real white knight i can't believe you read the phrase wow I for you. no no I, I wouldn't know honestly again i mean like <laughs> It's definitely not Kelly Grimm. I mean, your play's been with his girlfriend for a while, and then yeah. Grimm's been with his fiance. I think Shotzi's had a girlfriend for a while as well. Yeah. Which, so be, 
Which one of them is like the most, uh, let's say, obedient <laughs> to the other half? Obedient? Yeah. Uh, to the other half? Yeah. I think I think Krim's pretty whipped. <laughs> I think Krim, dude, Krim comes off as a tough a tough dude, but like he he's a softy man. He's a softy. <laughs> he loves his lady too. So I mean, not, not nothing but love for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, who's the hype man? Who brings the hype to every scrim, no matter what? Play, play, one hundred percent. Awesome. Clay's like the emotional roller coaster of a lifetime. Yeah. Like, like Clay, Clay loves him. Clay's, Clay's probably like, in a good way. He's probably the most emotion, emotional person I ever met. Yeah, yeah. Like, like standalone. Like he's just, he's, he's just like I don't know what. He's, he's crazy. I love him. <laughs> Who has the worst hygiene? Oof, I don't know. I don't. I can't share yeah, that. That's not difficult. One. Okay. That's not, that's not difficult. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know, but that's not. Yeah, good. yeah. Well, Nubsy, bro. Nubsy just shot his shot. Hey, he was like Octane. I'm telling you now, bro. Octane. He was like because oh, he lives with him too. Yeah. So. He was like this guy. Yeah. This guy will take a shit and never wash his hands. <laughs> oh, that's rough. I'm never touching again. Right. Uh, who has the best sneaker collection? Who has a lot of shoes on the team? Man, like it's it's. Ask, oh, I'll no. come back in the show in oh, a year no. and ask me yeah. these questions again. Because it's yeah. just so hard oh, no. to do now. Okay, uh, who's the funniest? Who's the funniest? Uh, I'd say, I I mean, Porter. Porter's funny in like a corny way. Like he's, yeah. he's just, he'll just crack jokes left and right. Yeah. I think honestly, like, I think everyone's funny on the team besides Sh- Shotzi's like a more serious dude. Yeah. He loves to laugh, but he'll never really crack that many jokes. Yeah. Like we'll always laugh along with it, but yeah, I think every, everyone's had their moments of like funniness. Got you. But I'd say I'd say probably Krim. Krim probably stands out as like the jokester. He's the clown. Yeah. Right. Dallas trivia time. Okay. So okay. I've got some tweets and questions from the guys and well around the guys. I'm from the guys on the team. Uh, by by the way, it's all active members on the starting five. So this is a tweet here. Uh, just know that I'm six foot four, two hundred fifteen pounds, fully tatted, and I will slap the fuck out of you. Wait, what was this? Someone someone tweeted that? This is a tweet, yeah. Oh, from one of my teammates? Just know that I'm six foot four and two hundred and fifteen pounds, fully tatted, and I will slap the fuck out of you. That's gotta be Krim. No. It's Krim or it's Krim or Illy. No. What? Yeah. Clay? Yeah. Clay tweeted that. <laughs> oh my God. 2019 he tweeted that, yeah. Can you retweeted that? Can you retweet yeah, that? Yeah, I'll find it and retweet it for you, no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. please sling me. I'm gonna I'm gonna add him and be like, what? <laughs> Right, I've got another tweet here. It goes like this. Day two at the gym, what the hell do I do? Day two at the gym. That's got to be Porter. Yeah. That's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. That was Porter that was Port 2015. I've got another one here. <laughs> That's a good one. I this, love that. this tweet goes, back, chest, abs, legs, and arms, and especially shoulders are coming in nicely. But too bad your boy has still got their man titties, though. It's got to be Illy. Nope. No? Oh, no, Kyler. Kyler. No. Nope. Not Hugh. No. What? Krim again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the same year. So he went from what the hell do I do to everything's coming in nicely, but I've still got tits. Um, oh. Another tweet here. Random thought, but I really hope my man titties don't show in our new jerseys. Oh, my God. Illy? Nope. I, Illy's always, dude. Like, there's, these guys crack so many fat jokes on our team. It's not even funny, dude. It'd be, yeah. It's bad. 
Okay, well, I mean, Crim again then? Yep. Because yeah, <laughs> oh, dude, that's rough. If you type in Crim Six and Titties into Twitter, bro, you will have a say, <laughs> you'll have a failed day. I promise, you'll have a failed day. Um, I've got a question for you here. So, which member of the team has an olive tattooed on their arm? Has an olive tattoo? Oh, that's Clay because of his dog. Yes, sir. Yeah. Which member of the roster has the highest earnings from Halo, Hugh or Shotzi? It's got to be Shotzi because he won the world tournament like recently. True. You know, it's actually a lot closer than you think, though. Uh, Hugh, really? I mean, he's won a lot. Like yeah, he's won, yeah. but it's just been peppered like small yeah, amounts yeah. here. Yeah. Hugh's won 180k and Shotzi's won 211. Gotcha. Yeah. Fuck me, dude. I know. Why wasn't I born like 10 years later? Or something? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if you were, you'd have struggled because Canada's got some pretty strict laws. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good call. Good call. Um, do you know where Hugh is ranked in his country for esports earnings? Well, it's America, right? No. It's, oh, well, he's got to be number one. No. no? Second. In this country? He's second. Where, where, what's it, what's the Saudi Arabian that? nationality, isn't it? Yeah, who who leads that? So, MS Dasari, the FIFA pro. Oh, a FIFA player. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Those guys make a lot of money. I didn't know that. Oh, bro. I mean, huge money. I knew, I knew it was a lot, but I didn't think it was. That's crazy. Yeah. Dasari's been competing for some years, and I think he's been a world champion twice. So, he's, he's made a lot of bank. That's crazy. <clears throat> um, which Dallas member? disrespected a British delicacy in Nando's by eating it with two forks. That's it's illy, 100%. Yes. My yes. man never used a knife until I showed him a steak. <laughs> I had to show him how to hold a knife. Oh, my God. Oh. 18 years old, folks. I Bro, love the guy, though. I was, watching but, some, like, I was watching Dallas content. I remember watching that. And it was in February when you guys got... Well, when they got to London. Um... And I went for a Nando's and Illy's at the table with two forks doing this, pulling chicken apart. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? What the fuck are you doing to our chicken? I just couldn't believe it, bro. I had to pause the video so quick. Closed oh, it. Shout out to Nando's though. Shout out to Nando's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So good. Right. I've got some Twitter questions for you. Um, right. So BrickYMY asks, out of all the titles that you haven't competed in, which one do you wish you had the chance to? Or two. Why? I think I feel that's that's the the game I would have had the most impact and the game I would have had the best chance to win. Okay. And I think it was my style of game. Yeah. And was that from like a strategic point of view, like looking at the game and just kind of yeah, know? just like the game being the, the pace it was basically was just kind of more my kind of style. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, Skyler Johnson, uh, Envy founder, asks, "How much do you miss competing?" I dude, I. Skyler, I love Skyler. Um, there, there's, it's very segmented. Like my, my missing of practicing, zero. Like having to get on and play the game, like nine to ten hours a day, dude. There's yeah. no way I'd be able to sustain doing that. Being in front of a crowd, playing a main stage, yeah, never, never, not gonna miss that. There's no way possible. Like it's always gonna be like being in the spotlight is always gonna be something I miss. Yeah. Uh, but just again, like the long hours leading to practice, like. I would have to immensely enjoy a Call of Duty game. Like, let's say the new game comes out and it's my favorite game to date, and maybe like I would even think about like doing it because I just enjoy it doing it so much. But like, there's I don't think there's any way, shape, or form I have the mental aspect to kind of be able to put myself to that kind of uh, I guess 
like daily struggle of playing a game all the time like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's too much i've 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 just grown to enjoy so many other things in life that i just don't think it would be it would make sense for me to like give everything else up for that because it really is like for people who don't understand being a pro gamer is not just a job dude it's a life like it's a life literally life a lifestyle mm-hmm. you have to be part like you have to be doing your craft non-stop even when you're not playing you're thinking about it yeah so it's just it's tough it's not yeah, as easy yeah, yeah. To think. no i can imagine uh fames asks what players would you pick to team with who you hadn't previously and you can select from both past and present players but he also wants to know your reasoning why okay players that i haven't so if we're t- creating a team of five of players like i think that i hadn't team so the only players on my team that team were replaced there so i would i mean shotzi illy i would probably i mean honestly probably all four players on my team because i never got the team with Krim. i'd probably team with all those guys yeah and and then because I got to replace Leo, I would probably say Octane. Okay. Octane, see, Sam seems sure? like a guy I would get along with. He doesn't yeah. wash. He doesn't wash his hands. So. I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch him. <laughs> I wouldn't touch the controller. I wouldn't fist bump. Like we would high five. He'd be like this little like this like this wavy thing. Looks super weird. <laughs> Just the Corona bump, yeah. Just uh, a bit of elbows. Sam's good people do. I love Sam. Yeah, so. he is. Yeah. I, I I think that would be the squad I go with because I'm mean, honestly like. Like being a part of the, the team I am now and seeing how they work and like that's my kind of like system. Like these guys are avidly getting on. They want to get better. They're never like shutting things out and just saying, oh, we're just going to play to play today. Like they don't do that. Like yeah, they yeah. get on with a purpose, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. And finally, Ricardo asks, if you could pick a team to win champs with players only from the bottom four teams in the CDL, who would it be? So I'm, I'm basically making a team with the bottom four teams? Yeah, yeah. Let me look at the bottom four teams. I got to look at the standings. Uh, tell you. Bottom four, LAG, uh, Toronto. Trying to wait, wait, remember who else? Seattle. And LAG, Toronto, Seattle. And there's one more. Standings. All right. So LAG. It's Paris, Toronto, Seattle, Gorillas. Yeah. All right. I would take Octane 100%. I would take Vivid from the Gorillas. I would take Cami and actually, I'd probably take three players from Ultra. Ultra, dude, Ultra is like, dude, it's a fucking like, it's a puzzle to me how this team hasn't. Yeah. Like, like they just can't put it together when tournament time comes up. Yeah, There's yeah. got to be a player on that team that just shuts off under pressure or something. Yeah. Like, like it's got to be. It's so like because I got a team, so I wouldn't have methods, and then. So Cami, that Kleenex guy is fucking nasty. Kleenex is disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Cami, Kleenex, and then who's the other sub on that team again? Uh, Toronto is the ten man roster, right? Me, obviously, I had Marky B on this week because we were talking about it. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else there was. Cla- like there was classic, yeah, classic. That's one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put classic on that on that on my team for trying to win champs. I love classic. All right. Uh. Bance. Yeah, Bance is the other player, yeah. Alright, let's say let's say I'm taking Canyon, Kleenex, Octane, Vivid, and I take one player. Who's I gotta go for someone for another team? Who's on Seattle? Seattle? Oh, I'd probably take Apathy. Yeah. Apathy Apathy's been there. He knows how to win. Yeah. That'd yeah. probably be my roster. That'd be that'd be my squad right there. Awesome. Just fucking put Octane in the spot, like let him slay the world. We got this. <laughs> I mean, he's got the ability, right? He's fucking nasty. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, you know, like it's crazy. Like, 
and then and this is something like Clay's constantly having like we're having discussions about is like how much is involvement as like a because Florida's had recent success and then Skies literally plays like a like a turret like this guy oh, just yeah. barely moves him. yeah he's super slow and for the most part from when we've seen this game like it seems like the AR needs to be in the mix they need to be mm -hmm. part of certain engagements they need to change the positions yeah but he's kind of proven that like that team's proven recently that it's not necessary like you can have a player play super slow like this. Granted, in my opinion, it probably puts a lot of pressure on his submachines to have a good game. Yeah. Because if they're not creating enough space on the map for him to sit there and wait, then nothing's going to really come to him. He's going to have a hard time. But yeah. But it's shown some success and they have won two tournaments. So, like, it's interesting to think about. But again, like, that's one thing with Seattle, in my opinion, that, like, Octane gets a ton of kills on the map. I don't know exactly how much he moves or how much they're kind of focusing on his play to really open up things up. But there needs to be a balance with that team, I think. Like, again, there's so many. It's crazy. Like, even fucking. Off the game in LA, you look at that roster, you're like, how the fuck is this yeah. team not winning games? I agree. Like, how's this team getting real by like bottom teams? Like, like it's, <laughs> it's I don't no, get it. I agree, I, I agree, know. I agree. I agree. Um my final question for you is obviously you've always had this uh I mean since a young age, you love for bowling, right? You were a professional bowler. Um I've got a question, interestingly, this is from Excellency. Uh, so I'm gonna oh, close <laughs> I'm gonna close Liquid, out. All right. I'm gonna close out with it. Is your bowling nickname Ramble? <laughs> <laughs> what a corny ass. Name. I miss Nick, dude. Uh, not Ramble. It is not. You just call me Ray. Okay. And Goddamn vampires, man. <laughs> And that answer there brings us to the end of the podcast. Listen, thanks a lot for joining me, Ray. It's not every day I get to talk to a vet, you know what I mean? Uh, especially with a mind as intricate as yours. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we close off? Or, No, oh, man, I appreciate everyone following and uh, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I, you're a really cool dude. I really hope we meet each other in person. I'm sure we will someday when this whole fucking world gets back into place. Yeah. It's madness. Everyone wear a mask. God damn it. <laughs> I, it, it like, it's crazy, but like, I want to rant for a second, but it's like, it's mind boggling how like, there's so many simple things we can do to try and help prevent. It's not perfect. Yeah. People in a mask can still get it, but it helps. It's like if everyone did their own little part in the world, we wouldn't be in this fucking situation. Oh, 100%. Or at least it would be. But no, just some people are just careless and just don't care. And they're like, I want to live my life. But yeah, but then I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I agree. But, I agree. Yeah, shout out to, to my team. Shout out to Hastro for getting me on the whole Empire and the organization. Shout out to the office we have. If you guys haven't seen our office, it's fucking sick. And can't wait to go back in there and work every day we we just actually we just installed this well so you should try, actually you should talk to hashtag you should talk to hex hex should buy you a flight to come with us and next time like there's a, there's gonna be a dallas event at some point in time yeah and all those guys live here obviously so we should we should get you out here and we can show you around and have a good time and then you he sh you should be on his podcast in a year from now because he's gonna blow up yeah that's what's gonna happen um but yeah no like the <laughs> we have like a fucking i don't know how big it is it's like 120 foot or whatever like a solid like led screen and it's absolutely sick dude i can't wait to watch it from this wow that's dope yeah that sounds right. fun right, All right don't be taking time thanks for having me i appreciate it i'm sure You've we'll do it awesome. again indeed right make sure you guys head over to spotify don't forget to go and follow rambo ray on twitter and the dallas empire to keep up to date with everything that's going on with the roster that he's coaching if you guys have tuned in late head over to spotify search your bakery podcast it'll be live on there in the next 20 minutes and don't forget to tune in monday at 7 p.m when we witness the bakery meeting its first fifa pro manchester city player shells until then, guys, 